everybody. Hi, guys. Well, from beautiful Salt Lake City, Utah. It's Thank God I'm Atheist. The podcast. I'm Dan Beecher. And filling in for Frank, I'm Kate. Mm, Jarvik Birch, Birch, if you have a proposal for a new last name, whatever. Apparently, apparently Kate <laughs> is not worried about who she is. <laughs> I'm not. Not concerned about identity at all. Uh, Kate, uh, welcome. Thank you so much for, for having me. For filling in for Frank, who is on vacation, having been vaccinated. Oh, he, the... he got the hell out of town. I don't blame him. I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah. That, yeah, exactly. But uh, in the meantime, we are here. We still have to do a show. The show must go on. Uh, so they say. So let's do a show. Uh, you have some. Uh, you have a, a story to tell us I'm about. I'm going to start us off because I feel like the guest gets to be treated well. That means I get to go first. Okay. So I defer I, to you. Okay. I am going to start with a story about COVID since you were just saying that Frank escaped COVID, essentially. Um, well, we don't know about that. He could still get it. <laughs> That's true. He could still get it. But um, this is a story about an evangelical leader named Jamie Aiton, or Atten, I'm not sure. Um, Doesn't matter. Who's gotten in a little bit of trouble with his uh, friends and followers. With, with his flock. With his flock. Okay. Um, so he teaches at an, uh, a college, an evangelical college, and... He used to be like pretty tight with everybody. He would write about hurricanes and floods and tornadoes. Oh my! And he was a disaster. He is a d disaster uh, psychologist, so he has a lot of input about horrible things happening. Oh! And when the floods and the hurricanes were all happening, people had a lot to listen to, and they were fine with it. He even yeah. um, spoke to them about uh, his personal battle with cancer, and they were like all on his side. But he made the mistake of telling people that maybe they should think about getting vaccinated. Uh-oh. Yeah. So This is he's this is he's telling evangelical Christians. Yeah, he didn't this. read the room. Yeah, no. appar apparently not. He did not read the room. And so uh needless to say they people were not happy with him. So not just were they like, you know, grumbly not so happy. He ended up having to file a police report um, because he was getting death threats. <laughs> so wow. um, things were angry to begin with when he just started, you know, telling telling, you know, the people that were around him that maybe they should get vaccinated. Then he made the mistake of writing a little op-ed piece in the New York Times saying that evangelicals need to be vaccinated or else we're like gonna all be in trouble as on mass you know yeah and so he made that mistake and uh, got a lot of angry emails um one of which said that this sort of thought would eventually lead to the murdering of all mankind which wow yeah I mean that's shocking because if there's one thing we know about evangelical Christians, it's that they're not prone to exaggeration. Hyperbole is not their thing. It's just a we it's just so weird <laughs> that they would go Isn't that amazing? They go all the way to the murder of everybody. Like yeah. you're encouraging people to get vaccinated, to get a vaccine. To hopefully save their lives. It will lead to the murder of everybody. I mean, I mean it's like the conspiracy theory. It's not really to save people. It's to murder them all. Well, I mean, you draw. It's a straight line. It's, it's a straight. It's it is. pretty easy to draw. It's pretty easy. Anyway, so uh, 
one of the emails went on to say, if I knew my stuff, I would now I would know not to encourage people to get vaccinated because that's what's going to take down humanity more, this person said. So, uh. I mean, maybe a vaccine is dangerous. Maybe COVID's dangerous. Definitely the vaccine is more dangerous in this well, person's mind. None of it's more dangerous, apparently, than an angry Christian. <laughs> I, I'm scared of them. Which, That's true. The, the which truth does seem to be the, the scariest <laughs> of the things. But um, the guy has a point because there's been some Pew Research uh, polls that have found that only 54% of white evangelicals say they're going to get vaccinated. And yeah. that doesn't, considering how many of them there are in the United States, that doesn't bode well for us and herd immunity. <laughs> You'd be surprised how few they, they're loud, but they're actually fewer than you think. Of well, them. maybe that's true. I don't know. So, uh, all right. Well, uh, I'm going to tell us a story about I don't know if you know this, the president of the United States, in spite of what several evangelical Christians keep saying, mm -hmm. does seem to be Joe Biden. Wait, no. Yes. Trump. Nope, nope. It seems it seems that uh, everybody's just going with this Biden thing. It's shocking, I know. Okay. We'll see. The military may still... We'll see how it pans out. ...may still step in. We don't know. <laughs> anyway, uh, Biden, as, as we all know, is a... Devout Catholic, unless you ask Catholics, in which case a lot of them would say he's just not at all, <laughs> um, but has been his whole life. Well, you know, a few, several months ago, we told the story on, on this show of a Catholic bishop who was outraged at Biden because Biden is a guy who, uh, who is pro-choice. <gasps> he's not pro-abortion, but you know... The Catholics they hate abortion. So this guy had been speaking up during the during the uh, election cycle, saying that he didn't think that Biden should be allowed to take communion because he believes that women should be able to choose for themselves. But wait, I thought I heard that Joe Biden had like performed like fourteen thousand abortions. I thought you were going to say he performed <laughs> his own communion. <laughs> Either way, uh, no, he hasn't. Um, so anyway, uh, not only now this guy, this outlier bishop is gaining momentum. And apparently a document has been drafted uh, that will be presented to the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops in its Committee on Doctrine. And they will decide whether or not to recommend that Joe Biden should should stop taking communion. <laughs> it's not they, that he can't take communion. It's just that they think he it, should. And we recommend gonna, you should not. Yeah, they, they believe that his, his stance on abortion is a grave moral evil. Skun-dun-dun. Well, wait, I have a question about yeah, this. Because sure. is the Catholic Church broken up and, like, they can do whatever they want in Italy. We can do whatever we want here. Is that how it works? It's not how it's supposed to work, but it is kind of how it works because here's the thing. Both of the bishops that uh, preside, well, both of the presiding head, like goofy hat wearers <laughs> that are in charge of the churches that he goes to, either, both in Delaware and in Washington, D.C., have both decided that 
he can go to any church under their watch and take communion and it's fine. Yeah. So this would be, you know, if the conference of Catholic bishops decides that they're going to adopt this document, it still doesn't bind those uh, those bishops. Well, it's one bishop and one cardinal. Uh-huh. They're not bound by it. It's just like pressure. So what what is the point of it? Shut up. Is it, maybe the point of it is to make all the Catholics who believe abortion is okay decide to leave their church. <laughs> right? Yeah. I <laughs> that mean, seems smart. I think the point of it is is to is to come down strong to to let everybody know that you are coming down strong against abortion, which is a really big deal, especially since most Catholics, when polled, are actually you know they're mm-hmm. like okay with they're totally okay with uh, with Birth contraception. Can- uh-huh. And uh, a lot, a good percentage of them are like, "Yeah, go ahead." Yeah, the abortion's good. (laughs) Anyway, what do you got? Okay, um, all right. So I love this story because it is. If we were only living in the United States and we didn't have, we are only living in the United States. (laughs) If we were secluded from the rest of the world, (laughs) this and this story was happening here, it would like. I don't think. Anybody would cover it. You wouldn't even notice it. You would not. It would feel like a little fly landing on you. Not even that. Another day in America. Yeah, another day in America. So this story is actually taking place in Australia, and it's about Australia's prime minister. Um, So last week. That would be one Scott Morrison, I believe. You are correct. It is. Um, Prime Minister Scott Morrison. I'm impressed by you. Thank you. Thank you. You know all the facts. Oh, yes. I can, I can also pronounce Erdogan. Oh. That's, that's the guy from Turkey. <laughs> you are. I can't pronounce the first name, though. Hey, I can't either. Okay. Anyway, so um, last week at a conference for uh, the Australian Christian churches, their prime minister, Scott Morrison, uh, surprised everybody with a little appearance there. He Ooh. didn't make it very public. Oh, so okay. So it was just those lucky few there that snuck were gonna, in yeah he snuck in and while he was there he just kind of said made it clear in his speech that he believed himself to be god's vessel of good in the world and um that here would be like the literal least thing you could say if you were a christian probably uh, literally <laughs> i remember during the during the presidential primary I don't think it was this, I think it was four years ago. Uh-huh. Like four out of the <laughs> nine people who were there had made some statement about they believed God had yeah. sent them yeah, to Yeah, God president. spoke to all of them. He yeah. told all of them that they were God, doing his bidding. God is a gaslighting oh motherfucker my gosh. is what he or is. He's just like, I don't know, he's sending them down into battle and it's funny and it's like fight yeah. to the it's, death. It's like see. robot wars for him. It is. It probably is. Okay. So anyway, this is interesting because it's actually making news there and we're kind of getting to see a taste of, oh, what would it be like to live in maybe a more rational society? So yeah, we, we of, have Australian listeners who write in all the time who were like, man, your country's crazy. Uh-huh. And, oh, I'm and sure. things are a little bit wacky right now here too. Our guy, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> and this is why, because he says stuff like this. Yeah. So um, anyway, they they do have a 
rationalist society there, which is a secular group, that found out about him attending this conference. And the sermon that he gave at it was posted on, they posted online um, so that they made it public for everybody Mm. to see because he wanted to keep it hush hush. He wanted to be able to tell people about his faith. But this is not something you go proclaiming to everyone. You don't go holding the Bible up like Trump does (laughs) or did here. Um, And so uh, one of the interesting things that he said in this sermon was that he practiced the evangelical tradition, the laying on of hands while he was working as prime minister. So this was his exact quote. I'm going to read it to you. It says, I've been in evacuation centers where people I thought thought I was just giving someone a hug. And I was praying and putting my hands on people, laying hands on them and praying in various situations, which sounds like not consensual to me. Yeah. Well, I mean, (laughs) even if the person consents to a hug, Uh, there's if you're adding elements to that without their knowledge that, yeah, there's like (laughs) this feels like 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 evangelical rape, sort of a little bit. It's it's, yeah, it's spiritual rape. It's spiritual rape. It totally is. Anyway, Uh, it's spiritual assault. Let's not go all the way to rape. Maybe not all the way to rape. You're right. But uh, needless to say, people were unhappy to hear that. Um, And they were unhappy to hear that he'd also taken uh, the taxpayer funded aircraft to the event. And they were like, Mm, that would be fine here. You like here, people who are Christian think, oh, that's actually part of our country yeah, in their opinion. Yeah. Well, I mean, if, if, yeah, if the president here takes the takes a plane to something that isn't Christian, they're upset. They're about upset it. about that. Exactly. But um, actually, some people there, you know, they think he's pretty nebulous. It's not that big of a deal to some people but uh it's still a de- that it's a deal at all yeah you know yeah they're just a little bit better at that separation of church and state than we are well i will <laughs> apparently in that dichotomy between their separation of church and state and ours we're bringing them the wrong direction. They're yeah, not bringing us the correct too bad. direction. Although, so this one, I just want to say one more thing. I thought this was interesting. So when Morrison was campaigning for his job a few years ago, he was asked about his faith and he said that the Bible was not, quote, a policy handbook. And I just wish if we could get that one phrase into the mouths of the conservatives here that the Bible is not a policy handbook. Can you imagine? Because they literally think it is a handbook for everything. Yeah. Here. Yeah, they do. They do. Okay. Even the parts that are dumb, they, they seem to like. <laughs> well, some of them. I mean, they don't care about the shellfish. No, but they like. They really like that uh, Ten Commandments, even though yeah. they, they can't name them all. No. Well, uh I've got some quasi good news, okay, which I kind of like. So I'm going to tell us a story about uh, an Oklahoma state senator who is hilarious. Oh, I'm excited. Um, that is his own words, not mine. <laughs> uh, he is convinced he he is convinced that he is funny. He is assured, he said in a tweet. That he is, his jokes are hilarious. Well, we know if somebody tells you that they're funny, it means that they're funny. You have to believe them. If, yeah, if they said it. It's your humor that's broken, not his. <laughs> uh, he sent out an, an email uh, about a bill that was, I, this is so weird. 
You know, in California, they have they they passed a bill a while ago making plastic straws illegal. Right, I had heard that uh, because plastic straws seem to be disastrous for wildlife. Sure, and, gets, and they don't biodegrade and not very well. And they go, you know, they go in, they get into the water supply, and then they go into the ocean, and then you know, a turtle ends up with one stuck in its nose and yeah. dies. They can get in very tiny orifices. Mm-hmm. Unless they're just, gigantic straws. Just like Republicans. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so this guy sends out this this uh, this press release, and he may he he's 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 doing some shtick here about about this. Okay. About because you know in California you switch to the paper straws uh-huh. for okay. drinking. I've I've had those here. Sure. Yeah. And uh, and they're fine. They, they you know. I don't love them, but that. That's okay. Well, you're not the only one. Okay. Because uh, state senator, what is his name? Nathan Dom, who, uh, who th- now mind you, this is a very Christian man. This is a guy who. Uh, his last name is Dom. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm just I thinking like a dominatrix. Oh, no. I like D- D- D-A-H-M. Oh, oh, okay. okay. Anyway, uh, his he, he he's the kind of guy that sponsored a bill last year declaring 2020 the year of the Bible. Oh, God. How very, you know. <laughs> we to, need that here. Way to be useful, man. We need that here. Uh, he also sponsored a bill that that failed, thankfully, that, uh, that basically was going to change state law to say that uh, all wildlife found in the state belonged to God. <laughs> what a, does that mean? I don't know. Like he's reco- like if there's a vet bill. What well, right? If the deer has mange or whatever, it's like well God needs to come fix that. I mean, I think uh, yeah, I, is it trying to kill I'm guessing you're still allowed to hunt it? It doesn't seem like you can hunt other people's animals. You can you can hunt gods cuz ah. you're going to cuz anyway, the bill okay. failed. <laughs> it seems crazy. Anyway, um this guy is Crazy Christian. Yeah, I Very, see. very Christian. I get that. Uh, which makes it weird that he wrote the following paragraph. Quote, I've never met a single person who enjoys a paper straw. Oh, sorry. Enjoys using a paper straw. They fall apart and turn to mush quicker than Joe Biden trying to string together a coherent sentence. <laughs> they collapse like Mitt Romney under the slightest amount of pressure. Huh. And even with Kamala Harris, dot, 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 well, never mind. Well, I don't get it. Yeah. I don't get it either. That's a bad, I like. But when you really put your mind to it, you're talking about straw straws. You're yeah. talking about sucking on something. Uh, it seems clear he's trying to make some sort of. Like he's sexualized. Making, he's making like a blowjob joke. Yeah. That does like maybe he's used to people comparing his penis to a straw, straw size. It may be. Maybe. I think maybe that's what he's talking about. I, I personally I, I, I don't want to speculate. <laughs> uh, but I will say that uh, people called him out on Twitter. Oh, good. Pe- people were um, very upset about it. A news reporter, a local news reporter, did like directly ask him about it, uh-huh. and uh, and he basically said that you know he was talking mostly about Joe Biden and Mitt Romney, uh-huh. and uh, don't worry about it. 
Well, if I said her name, I trailed off. I mean, I just trailed off. Well, it could have said, been anything. I said, never mind. I would. What do you want from me? <laughs> uh, later, he, like I said on Twitter, he said, I've been assured my jokes are hilarious. And I've been assured I make women come. <laughs> I well, mean, you know. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, there's a lot of. That uh, sort of language. Yeah, it's it. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't even know where to put this because, yeah, he he's very convinced that he's hilarious and that he, what what he's, what everybody's upset about is that he wasn't being politically correct. Oh, yeah, you're just uptight. You don't get it. Well, you don't get the I mean, it, the full, the full text or the, of the tweet that he put out was breaking, as in breaking uh-huh. news. If you think I'm going to be, quote, politically correct, you need to realize a few things. Okay. One, you obviously know nothing about me. Uh-huh. Two, you're in for a bad time. Ooh. Three, I've been assured my jokes are hilarious. Uh-huh. And four, your emotional opinions are irrelevant. Is this... I feel like possibly that tweet is just like copy and pasted by people. Well, I I just want to know what an emotional opinion is. Well, that is an opinion based off of your emotions. That's like what every Republican bases like everything they vote off of. I feel like opinions, uh, emotional opinions. Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> not facts. <laughs> I feel like opinions aren't emotional. They are, opinions are ideas. Yeah, and, yeah. You can be know. emotional about them anyway. Yeah. Uh, the long and the short of it is he's a douchebag. Yeah, it sounds uh, like it. What What's your next thing? Uh, I love my last story just. Because we have a little bit of like a trending Twitter hashtag that's utterly delightful. Oh, more Twitter. More Twitter. So I'm going to get to that in just a second. So this again uh, takes place uh, actually out of this country. Sorry, I'm not doing very many things. Oh, it's good. We have many international listeners. Well, wonderful. So those of you in Canada will probably know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, So... It starts with some good news, and that is that Bill C-6 in Canada, which is federally banning conversion therapy, Mm. has passed what they call its second reading. So I don't really know how Canadian politics works. but Literally nobody knows how (laughs) Canadian politics works. But so it sounds like things are moving forward for banning conversion therapy, which is wonderful. Yes, that's a very Uh, good thing. It feels like something that everybody should, you know, get behind. But clearly not everybody does. And so... um, uh, the British Columbia, this MP, what is an MP? Member you? of Parliament. Oh, okay. So member of par- Parliament named Tamara J- Jansen was... That's not a that's not a promising name. Jansen? Ta- Tamara Jansen. Tamara Jansen. She sounds definitely like a Karen. She um, <laughs> was not happy, clearly, with... Uh, she wants people to go to conversion therapy because they, she thinks they do a lot of good. And she gave a a talk in front of a parliamentary discussion and in it uh, she had some kind of unfortunate phrasing of something and so I'm going to read you what it was that she said she said she's talking about how conversion therapy totally works for people yeah so she said Charlotte a young woman um, in Calgary who's involved in 
lesbian activity, struggled with self-worth and depression. She reached a point in her life when she did not want to continue with her lesbian activity. (laughs) And her parents supported her choice and helped her find a counselor who helped her process her feelings. So clearly... There were, you know, the two uh, times where she repeated lesbian activity and people on Twitter thought that was hilarious. And so the words lesbian um, activity activity started trending. And I'm just going to I want to read you a few of the tweets because I thought they were really funny. Uh, Let's see. So. One said, tonight's lesbian activity is convincing my kids to go to bed, even though the sun is still up and there's no online school tomorrow. (laughs) So it's like the mundane lesbian activities. This was a cute one. Currently eating breakfast poutine because I had a deep craving for fries and hollandaise sauce. Just another Saturday of lesbian activity. (laughs) These lesbians are outrageous. They are wild, like debauchery. Just wild debauchery is what I'm learning. Just craziness. It's crazy. So some of the people used the hashtag to kind of highlight, um, you know, obviously homophobia in the conservative party. And then there was actually a really lovely last tweet um, by Dr. Christopher Wells, who said he was talking about the relation between the lesbian and queer community. And I'm going to look up that exact quote for you. Hold on. So there was the last word goes to Dr. Christopher Wells, um, who tweeted this. Never forget. It was hashtag lesbian activity that came to the bedside of so many gay men dying of AIDS when their own families and government ignored and shunned them. What lesbian activities make you proud? And that kind of just gives me the cr- the chills a little bit. Yeah. I love that he like brought that kind of full circle and like showing the humanity of, you know, people who want to like downgrade this whole section of society. And yeah. he's like, look at the good they've done. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of beautiful. But you might want to look up that hashtag. I bet it's funny. Yeah. Lesbian activity. All right. Lesbian activity. Uh, So I'm going to close this out with a story uh, that relates. This is a story that we've covered a few times uh, on the show, but it's been a minute since we've heard from these folks. These are, this is a Florida based group uh, of ding dongs and they are, they're, they're called the Genesis Two church of health and healing. Ooh. Okay. Uh, I want to join this group. Right. Yeah. It's, It's like all of the things that I would not be attracted to in one sentence. But like the band Genesis? Definitely not. (laughs) Okay. Um, Genesis, the band Genesis 2. Oh, oh, the band Genesis 2. All right. Uh, So these guys are the ones who decided that they would, that they had a cure all for everything. And it was basically drinking bleach. Oh, so they're friends with Donald. Well, or they took his advice. No, they they were ahead of him. Oh, that he got the advice from them. Yeah, something like that. Okay, they've been around for a minute. Um, in, in May, last May, their Australian chapter because they had made it internationally. Wow, you guys. Okay, this is like an MLM. No, it's they're just it's selling. a church. They're just selling this okay, stuff. Okay, all right. It's not a church. It's not a church. Okay, I'm they kidding. claim to be a church. Okay, they filed their taxes as a nonprofit as a church. They're not. I'm going to start that with my businesses. Right? Yeah, I think it's a really good idea. It's a good tax dodge. (laughs) I I have a sincerely held belief that my cupcakes are the best in the world. 
Uh, yeah. And, and then it's a religious belief. Yeah. Welcome to Jesus Cakes. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to make a fortune. Anyway, so the Australian chapter of this got hit with a $150,000 fine. Oh, okay. Smart. Uh, because you're not because selling sodium chloride, which is the the stuff, the key ingredient to their murder potion, right? Uh, it it's not that's not a good thing. I mean, it is for probably cleaning your pool. It's just not okay for your body. Oh. It's literally poison for your body. <laughs> uh, but they say that you know, in small enough doses, it's the healthiest thing that could happen. Oh. I th I honestly honestly think it is literally the same thing as the Donald Trump thing where everybody's like, "Well, if bleach kills germs on my countertop, right? Why yeah, doesn't why it kill germs in my body?" We can just si shine the sunlight up our butts and yeah. Right. So anyway, uh they they've been in hot water multiple times. Uh, and now they're in the hottest water, which is that there is a grand jury indictment. Ooh, I don't even know what that means, but it sounds bad. It's not good. <laughs> it's, it means that a grand jury has been convened and has gone over the evidence presented to them and has decided this is a federal grand jury. So this means that the feds gave them a bunch of information and this grand jury was like, yeah, we need to do something. We're about bringing this. them in. So uh, the, the family... It's the Grennan family, and basically all of them were involved, and so they are all being charged with marketing MMS. That's uh -huh. uh, that's that's their miracle mineral miracle mineral solution. Uh -huh. They call it MMS for short. Uh, they they've been charged with marketing it as a cure for COVID nineteen, mm -hmm. which of course it isn't, and they're not allowed to market it as such because we have laws, right? But way before that, they marketed it at as a miracle cure for literally dozens of other very serious diseases. Uh, and when the FDA hasn't cleared you to make such a claim, uh -huh. you're in real trouble. And make no mistake, they sold a lot of this shit. Like how, how much did they sell? More than a million dollars worth of product. I wonder how much they were charging per bottle. Per, per bottle? I don't know. I do not know. They should have been alive during like the snake salesman days. I got snake news. oil. I got news for you. Are we in those days? They are. <laughs> they are alive during those days. Wow. It is happening. Wow. Um, so yeah, the the indictment also charges them with uh threatening a federal judge. <laughs> they have criminal it's a criminal contempt of court charge because apparently the federal judge presiding over the civil case, uh, they threatened, they said that should the government attempt to enforce the court orders halting their distribution, they would, quote, pick up guns. What? And instigate, quote, a Waco. What? Which. A Waco in itself as a saying. Oh, yes, exactly. Wow. A Waco. A Waco. We're going to, we are going to pick up guns and start a town in Texas. <laughs> right. It's not going to be a great town. Oh, I'm sorry if anybody lives in Waco. I don't know if it's a great town or not. That is the birthplace I... of Dr. Pepper. Oh, well, then I my... love it. I love Dr. Pepper. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Waco. I just made assumptions about you because you were in Texas and I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, <clears throat> these are important charges. And if convicted, the Grennans face up to life imprisonment. So Wow. Has any, do we know if anybody has died from, I mean, must be that they've 
I wonder what's happened with it. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, who knows? Maybe we'll learn the more. The grand jury probably knows. <clears throat> the grand jury, yeah. They the probably do. The shadow knows. <gasps> Anyway, uh, listen, kids, if you want to write to us about the uh, bleach drinking or anything that we've talked about today, please feel free to do so. Podcast at thankgodimatheist.com. I want, write me something. I want to hear. Or write to Kate. Yeah, tell uh, me. You can write to the same address and we will forward it to Kate. <laughs> uh, or you can you can reach us on our voicemail. That's 424-666-TGIA. 424-666-8442, I think. Hmm. You sound anyway, sure about yeah, that. Yeah, I'm doing great. <laughs> More to come, y'all. So, Kate. Yes. Uh, listen, y- you are less familiar with some of the, the nutballs out there. I'm f- familiar and- with a certain kind of nutball. Well, <laughs> I'm just saying the Christian, uh, the, the the weirdos that we tend to play on this show. That's true. I'm um, thankful that I'm not as familiar with them. So this is Pastor Johnny Enlow. Okay. Uh, who is a wonderful conspiracy theorist. Uh, he's, a, he's basically a professional at it. <laughs> Appearing on, I don't know what the show is. I think Grace and Glory, something like that. It's a show. I don't know anything about it. It uh, sounds like it could be like a doctor series, like Grey's Anatomy, Grace and Glory. I don't know. It's definitely it's not, not that. that. Okay. Definitely not that. Uh, anyway, he has a wonderful story. Oh, I'm excited to hear it. We were in Costa Rica. We were. I was leading a team of about 40 people. We had rented a bus, like a school bus. It was pretty old. And uh, we'd rented the driver with him. He wasn't a believer at the time. And we were headed to church. And we were coming around the corner in the San Jose, there's kind of hills. And we we're going up just a little bit. And all of a sudden, the bus went bang, bang, boom. It just made the worst noises imaginable. And and it died. Then he's the, the keys clicking and nothing going on. Then we see smoke come from the hood. And we're 20 minutes away from the meeting I'm supposed to be preaching at. So I said, I just a moment there. Uh, yeah. uh, because of what God's done before, I said, just a minute. So I go inside and I tell, I say, somebody give me my shofar. They bring my shofar. Again, we're in the middle of the street. There's cars going by. And um, I go and I blow the shofar just one time on it. And I go uh, close, close the, close the hood to the chauffeur. Again, he wasn't a believer even. And he looks at me like, I said, just close it. Let's go. And so, he shuts it. We get in the car and he's sitting down and he's, he's putting the, he's looking at me like I'm crazy. I go, just start it. And he does, and he does it one time and it starts right up and he points, he goes, look at all the hair on his, uh, you know, arms are standing up. He's going, how is that? And I was like, well, that's easy for God. I said, we need to get to church. So we drove to church and uh, needless to say, he got saved that trip. But we didn't want to look. I didn't want to look. I didn't want to know what was under the hood. I don't know if there's an angel under there, you know, having to connect there's water. I don't know how they're providing water. I do not know what happened under there, but I do know blowing the show for. For those of you who don't know, a shofar is is an animal horn that is used in biblical times to as as a I don't, it's in the Bible. But yeah, you use it as an instrument. You blow it. I mean, like I take mine on my trips with me normally, 
just they're good to have. It's better than a wrench. Yeah. It's it, you know if it's better than if you got a flat tire, don't bother calling AAA. No. Just blow your shofar. Blow your shofar. And I first, loved how many how many sound effects he did. He was amazing. He's 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 got a career ahead of him. <laughs> So I think I have to say, I don't, I've converted my mom this way. Like once she called me and she was like, my computer stopped working. And I was like, okay, let, let me close your computer, shut it down, turn it off, turn, and- it, turn it off. I'm going to blow my chauffeur. And then, uh, <laughs> and then I was like, can okay, I open it up? And she opened it up and she was converted to my religion. I'm just going to point out, he called the bus driver at one point a chauffeur. Yeah, I know, which sounded so much like the chauffeur. Maybe he blew the chauffeur. That's what I was wondering. Uh, I, I was wondering the same thing. It's a good question. <laughs> we'll just leave that as, a, as an open question. Okay. So kids, we're not going to do our standard email and uh, thanks segment today because I don't have Frank here and... He's the gatekeeper and I'm the key master. And <laughs> you need both of us to, to do it all. We have, we have to turn both keys at exactly... I do have my red dress on. Oh, yes. Well, perfect. So you... Now you're the key master. Yeah, but... No, you're the gatekeeper. I, I don't, don't remember know. how to do it. Go, you go, we'll just skip that. Anyway, there's no Gozer the Gozerian this week. So uh, thanks to all of you. We will, we will appreciate you even more next week. Uh, but for now... We're just going to sail away. Move on. All right. So, Kate. Yes. Thanks for coming back on the show. We sure I do appreciate like it. I like being on the show. You uh, you were on the show a while ago. It was many years ago. I it was think. a few years ago. Yeah. And uh, when you were on, you actually told us the story. Our, our astute listeners will remember. <laughs> That you told us the story of you converting to Mormonism. I know. I'm so embarrassed. No, don't be embarrassed. <laughs> uh, it happens to the best of us. And <laughs> and then deconverting a wave back out of Mormonism. You, yes. You converted when you were very young and impressionable. I was about 16. And you were, and you had lived a life, a non-Mormon life in, in Utah, in Mormon country, which uh, then, which feels like you're left out a lot of the time. It very much feels like you're an outsider. That's true. Conversely, uh-huh. your kids yes. were raised Mormon yeah. by you <clears throat> until they weren't. Right. And the thing that I wanted to ask you about, the thing, the conversation I wanted to turn to, because I know we have a lot of uh, parent listeners who raised their kids in the church, in the Mormon church or whatever church yeah. they grew up, they, they were doing, they were going to. And then realized, oh, wait a minute, this is nonsense. Right. But now you've got these kids who have been indoctrinated into these beliefs. You've been taking them to church. You've been surrounding them by by people with people that are very clear that they believe this stuff. Mm -hmm. And now you're, you're, you're reneging on the deal. Oops. Yeah. So talk a little bit okay. about about what that experience was Okay, like. well, I first of all have to remember about how old my children were during this time, and that makes me do math. But I think at the time, my youngest was probably about six-ish, maybe, maybe a little, no, she probably would have been seven going on eight. Okay. 
because we did end up baptizing her, and that was at the very end. Yes, in Mormonism, you get baptized at eight at years eight. old because everybody knows that an eight-year-old is definitely old enough to be accountable for sins right. and make that choice. On All their own. eight-year-olds I know should have guns and driver's licenses. Right? Yeah, it's so a, it's a very responsible, <laughs> it's a time. responsible age. Um, yeah, so that's kind of what I'm gauging it off of. And then my son Noah would have been about ten, and then my oldest would have been about 13. So um, that was at the very tail end of it. And there was probably about a year of like really transitioning out of it. So Mm. you can kind of guess the ages that they would have been. And I have to preface this whole conversation with, although we did go to church regularly, um, weekly, we weren't one of those families that was like, so gung-ho like I wasn't doing the family home evening I wasn't I maybe we said we did say a prayer at dinner time Mm. did they say prayers before bed I mean maybe there was a time when I like that was kind of like the thing I did for you know (laughs) three months or something with them I was one of those parents like you go yeah you, it was you, a go, fad. You, go, you go through a phase where you're into knitting and then you right. go through a phase where you're into like making your kids be religious. For exactly. A, a, a exactly. So, months. so yeah. So kind of take all of uh, what we talk about with that in mind, like okay. what sort of parenting I was doing. Terrible parenting. Ter- or maybe great parenting. As it turns out, <laughs> as it turns out, not too shabby. Right. So. And I was the sort of person who was always pretty open with my kids about my own feelings. It wasn't like I was hush-hush, like having these feelings about the church in quiet somewhere and then being like, one day their mother comes out and doesn't believe this anymore. They would have heard a lot of conversation going on around the house about my disbelief. Interesting. And I was always, from the beginning, somebody who was always questioning things. I mean, that was the reason that I left to begin with. You know, like, I wouldn't just hear a thing and they would say, you know, gays aren't allowed in our church. And I would be like, all right, well, they said we don't want the gays here. You know, like, I would be like, but why? And that sounds awful. And that sounds like discrimination. And like, you're going to have to explain this to me. So I was like that about everything. Well, surely they had very good explanations for you. They had no explanations really about anything. It was always well, God knows best, or they must know more than us, or you're just going to have to take our word for it, or, you know, those things. Those sound like perfectly good (laughs) explanations. Explanations. Yeah. Well, anyway, those were not great explanations for me. And so I think as the sort of thinker that I was in general, my kids were used to being around that sort of thinking. Mm. And so I think it was actually pretty difficult for the older two anyway. Like what was difficult? Church and, oh, and going to buying church. buying into any of it. Oh, they 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 knew. I think they, they knew something was up. Well, they knew that they hated it. Well, everyone hates more <laughs> like Mormon church is the worst. So yeah, I mean I when you when you're like hey, yeah, if you go to a kid who has to go to three hours of boredom in uncomfortable clothes and you say, Hey, 
You want to take those three hours and watch TV yeah, instead or something? Totally. Yeah. Like, do you want to stay home and sleep in on Sunday morning and watch cartoons? They're definitely going to pick that. That's, that. that's not a tough sell. No, it's not. And I think for the older two of my kids, the irony is, this is the irony. So growing up and one of the big reasons that I think I converted to Mormonism in the first place was wanting to feel included. And imagining that like Mormonism and my belonging to it was all it would take. It was the magic bullet. And then I'm going to be a part of this thing. Mm. And I think my kids always felt like outsiders, even though they were a part of it. I think at least the old, the two older ones. Interesting. Yeah. So like, no, my son, my middle son has said to me, that he all one of the things he hated about primary was primary is, is the the kids uh portion of Mormon church. Yeah, so they would go like I think to an hour or two of that. Yeah. And then we'd have an hour of the thing at the end to get all together as the a family. Sacrament this, meeting. Yes. I've already like I've pushed these things from my mind. Yes. But um so what one of the things he really disliked was that he felt he would get to primary and he was supposed to like know all this stuff. And like I already said, I was not preparing him well for <laughs> this test and he did not like school and he did not like church. That's so interesting because yeah. he went every week. It's, oh, you he could- heard it. I, like, what didn't he know? That's fascinating. Oh, he just felt like he was being put on the spot to like, it was like a test every week. He felt like <laughs> of his belief and knowledge. And like, he was like, I feel unprepared. And let me tell you something, kid, the whole world, the whole life is a test. Yeah. <laughs> Are you going to pass? Yeah. No. Uh, no, nobody is. No. Uh, unfortunately. No. I'm going to get an A plus, but everybody else. So, yeah, it's... Uh, so you had been relatively open with your family about your feelings going through this. So mm-hmm. that's fascinating that I didn't know. Did any of your kids ask you any questions about it? I don't remember them asking questions specifically about church. They probably asked, do we have to go? Uh-huh. Do we have to go? Like, I don't know. That was probably something that we heard. And I was like, yes, you have to come. But they did not mind when we stopped going. And I'm like, they're really grateful. The The oldest two really didn't mind. The youngest, I think, was young enough when we left that she didn't really get a full taste of it. And mm-hmm. so when she got a teeny bit older, you know how they, the Mormon church tries to hang on to you. Oh, yeah. Even after you leave, they're not going to just like let you go easily into the night. They're going to like hang on with claws. Well, and what they do, you say claws, but these are these are like candy coated claws. Yeah, they're like because painted. Pretty. What they're doing is like, hey, we're having a we're having a picnic, ward mm-hmm. picnic, come on out to the picnic. Hey, they they do what what they call fellowshipping. Yes, they which do. Which is pestering you with Pleasantness. Yes. So they pester you. And there's actually, I have to tell you something funny about how long they will pester you. So it's been 10 years since we've gone to this longer. I don't even remember. And I just got a letter in the mail today to my ex-husband who hasn't lived at my house for two years. There was a birthday card to him. 
So from the Mormon church. From the Mormon church. Oh wow! <laughs> so they're really hanging on. Anyway, so they were hanging on, and they're manipulative. And the way they they were like, we've realized we can't get the older ones, but yeah. that young one, she's still impressionable, and we maybe can still lure her back in. Oh. And they were a little bit correct. Like my youngest, she. Uh, when they started inviting her to the young women activities, mm. she was the type who actually like that sounded appealing. Mm. Like they were going to do a craft and she was like, yeah, I want to go to that. I'll, I'll go to craft night. Yeah. And like the thought of like going to a girl's trip was like appealing to her. Yeah. My oldest, the opposite. Like I have to tell you a story. She so at the very end, she was young enough for or old enough for young women's, which I can't remember the age range. I of think it. it's 12. So, yeah. So it's like early teenage girls yeah. who are part of this. Tweens. And, yeah. And one of the things they do is they go on this like camping trip. Yeah. And they got to like bear their testimonies. And I don't know, go on hikes. And it's things. a Mormon equivalent of like a Bible camp. or A something. Bible camp. Exactly. And so they somehow talked my oldest daughter into going to this and she's a not a camper at all like she hates it b hates being at that age like hated being away from home she didn't really <laughs> want to go in the first place and would get like really ill <laughs> she'd get really sick like she'd go to a sleepover get a fever the next day since she was a little kid interesting yeah so she goes to the girls trip and it's supposed to be you're not allowed to talk to your parents when you go like if they get homesick they're like you're you can stick it out you can stick it out well i i don't i think this is not a thing they normally do but they let her call us and we went and picked her up after the first day <laughs> she would not last and it was like she was done after that she was like i do not want anything to do with these people like interesting yeah. wow she wanted nothing to do with it uh, well you know saved from jesus by anti-socialism yeah. there you go i think they're all actually really quite grateful now they're all adults now and i think they're just so grateful to not have been ensnared by that church yeah you know they see people that they know who uh, grew up in it and all the damage that it's done to them. And they kind of feel like they dodged a bullet there with that for sure. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, it, it's such a tricky thing. That moment, I, I don't think I would have handled it as well as you did. I had, had I been a parent, I don't, first of all, I was well-trained to keep all of my feelings inside mm. and not speak any of them out loud in front of anybody. Right. Uh, so, I think I would if if I had stayed in the church, I would have been very good about like never telling anyone that I had these. And I know that I know that a lot of people are like this. Yeah, because Mormon, the Mormon culture, especially if you grew up in it, which right. you didn't. Well, and I think that was probably what made the difference. Yeah, but Mormon culture is all about like bottle those feelings up, any of those doubts, don't say them for the love of Christ, don't say them out loud. <laughs> what are you yeah. doing? You. <laughs> You keep those inside and they just become a little rock in that lives inside of you that tears you up inside. Right. And uh, it's got spikes and it's, it's pokey. A, it's not a pearl. It doesn't become a pearl. I mean, eventually it becomes a, a pearl of great price. Anyway, well, thanks for sharing your, yeah. your story. I'm sure that so many of our uh, of our listeners have an experience with that. And I'd love to hear your story, listener at home, about about your experience of coming out of religion, the religion that you taught your kids that they had to be in. Because I know a lot of people uh, have very different experiences yeah. than you do, Kate. 
So if you want to write into us, podcast at thankgodimatheist.com. You can also leave a voicemail about it. We love to hear your voices. That's 424-666-8442. I'm pretty sure that's it. Uh, hey, thank you so much, Kate, for it's coming a on the show. I love coming on. I'll come on anytime. Yeah, well, no, you're not welcome. But, but thanks for at least this one. <laughs> uh, and Frank will be back next week. Uh, speaking of thanks, thanks so much to all of our patrons. Thanks to the Red Rock Hot Club for the use of their fine, fine music. Thanks to Gordon Johnston for the use of his music. And thank you to all of you, dear friends, for tuning in. We sure do appreciate it. Yeah. Bye. Bye.